1: Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. According to experts, despite the pandemic, real estate markets are very strong right now. Interest rates are low and more time at home for family members is creating greater demand for homes that are redefined and redesigned. For older adults, however, deciding if it's the right time to sell a home may be more complicated due to unique financial, logistical, and emotional issues. My guest today is Kathy Corridon, Realtor and Seniors Real Estate Specialist with KW Metro Center. She's going to talk about the current status of the real estate market and how the economic impact of the pandemic is affecting home sales. She'll also talk about how realtors with experience working with older adults can help ensure best home sale strategies for this population. So welcome, Kathy, and thanks for joining me today. I'm delighted to be back, and I'm looking forward to our conversation, Cheryl. Thanks. Okay, well, before we get into the issue of older adults selling their homes. You have been with the real estate industry, as it were, for quite some time. So I'd like to talk a little bit about what's going on there. So so tell us, Kathy, what has happened in the local real estate market since the pandemic was declared seven months ago? Well, at first there was a
2: pause, as I think there was across the globe. And then it became a very hot market in many areas of our community. I've been busier than I ever expected to be. And that is the theme across the agents in my brokerage and I think across the metro area.
1: And is there any thought as to why that's happening? I mean, I mentioned a little bit about people being at home and we're going to talk about interest rates in a minute, but any kind of general thinking as to why this is happening? What are the people, what are you know, your peers and you uh, thinking about this? Are you surprised? Um, I am and I'm not. And there are
2: several issues um, that come into it. The first is there had always, there had been before this started, tight inventory. So it had been a much of seller's market in our area and in many places across the country. The, what happened then is that people don't want people in their homes. So those that were possibly thinking last year that this would be the year they'd sell may have taken a step back. And that's especially true with the seniors. And we'll get into that a little bit more because of concerns about having people around and having people in their home and then having to go someplace that's strange and different. The second piece, has been the uncertainty of how to handle kind of the real the traditional real estate sales process um during the pandemic <laughs> because it's you know people are always coming through your home and you have an open house so some of that has changed and i'll talk about that too the third is that then people have been there's this other piece that people have been in their homes <laughs> together with their families Uh, possibly adult children moving back or teenagers being there all the time and the need for more space has come into play or the ability to be able to work from anywhere has also come into play so people are looking at vacation homes or second homes because if i don't have to go into k street i can do this from rehoboth or dewey i'm going to do it from there Or if I have all these people living in this house with me and I'm going to be working from home for a while, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get someplace a little bit bigger. I want to be able to have my own office in my own space.
1: It's a whole new era. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned already about the interest rates. What is the status? It's lower. Why is it lower? Talk about that.
2: Um, Interest rates have been kept low. They are traditionally monitored and adjusted um, kind of based on what's going on in the rest of the economy and as a way to either deal with or forestall um, economic um, problems. And right now, and they have been at historic lows. The word historic low is almost like overused at this point they've been at historic lows for about the last two years, two to three years. And it's been, you know, when they went up to over 4%, everybody was um, really concerned and they have been come down and down. And um, the it two things have happened. One is there's an expectation that rates will stay low and that this allows the housing industry to, Help prevent recession, if you will. And the second part is that they've been low so long that no one can imagine what many of us in our um, generation remember as 16 and 18% interest rates back in the 80s. So there is a pressure to keep them down and to keep the housing market as a, a fundamental. In our economy,
1: so the other thing that I wanted to to you had mentioned already about the the social isolation it's it's kind of interesting. Are older adults thinking about downsizing or moving? You would think they kind of want to just hunker down or need to hunker down, but is there any kind of a a change of of, of thought um, insofar as older adults?
2: It's been interesting
1: to have be in conversation with the
2: older adults and the senior service providers. It isn't just um impacting their decision about downsizing or moving, although that's a critical one. And how can those of us that are the service providers in this industry help protect them as we move them? And that has been because of the concerns of being exposed to people and having anyone over 65 is considered to be in a a more protected uh, demographic in terms of the, the coronavirus. But there have also been questions about where they would go and what the safety concerns are there if they move to an independent living or assisted living situation. And I've heard it both ways. I've heard families say, I am so glad we got them moved into XYZ facility before this happened, because I cannot imagine them having to have to deal with this if they'd still been at home. And there's been others that have said, I'm really glad they're still at home, because the risk of infection is higher when you're in congregate care, or, you know, And then there's this kind of third piece, which is that we have the family members separated from the seniors and their inability to be together. And so, how has that begun a process of looking at how can I have mom or dad or mom and dad live closer to me so that I can put them in my bubble and they can be? part of my isolating sphere and i can make sure that they're doing okay and that they can see the grandkids i mean there's there's this whole piece about seeing the grandkids the second piece of this is that a lot more of the work has done been done with technology the same way that visiting the grandkids has taken place in technology Um, and it's important that as Those of us that serve seniors find ways of very friendly technology and not complex technology to support and help move them further
1: and also help with reducing the isolation. So many variables there. Mm -hmm. I was also going to ask you that the economic uncertainties caused by the pandemic, because of course there's this huge. Problem pertaining to unemployment. Now, is that also part of the mix that you've been talking about? There is. And there was uh, Gary Keller, who's the founder
2: of Keller Williams, did a, a presentation about three, four weeks ago where he looked at the, exactly that question. And folks in the professional financial, um, Industries that had been doing pretty well were able to recover more quickly from the uncertainties because we were able to adapt. That's me, um, and that's somewhat you. We were able to adapt and find ways to make our businesses work from home. We were able to find ways to have our employees work from home. So the economic uncertainty of the professionals groups has not been what it has been with the service industry, the hospitality industry, which is a huge group in our um, metropolitan area. I mean, we are a tourist hub, if nothing else. And if you begin to look at what what impact that has had, that's where the questions are. And so it has to do with seniors that may have taken a second job or a post-retirement job in those industries who are going to be impacted because their their matching funds for their social security or their pension have really been harmed and whether they can and often they have used that as like a third leg on a stool to keep their home. And so that has been a, a real challenge for some of them and it's going to push them at a point, probably not immediately, because they can spend down savings and they can hold on for a while, but it may push them six months or a year from now into being forced to make a sale of the home situation. The other place that we have had um, economic uncertainties um, impact the market is people are less inclined to move into apartment buildings at this point. And Many apartment buildings are kind of informal senior um, communities because they're all on one floor, and you can take an elevator to get there. And you can there's some mobility pieces that can be added into it, and there is that uncertainty. And so we what we have found is in many of the condos where the seniors might look to move if they're not going to go into assisted living or go live um, with the kids is a resistance to wanting to move into those kinds of living spaces. And so where that's where they could afford, there's this whole question about whether that's where they want to go.
1: So do you see that, that there, I mean, right now, of course, we don't even know what's going to happen insofar as COVID-19, the cases of some folks say that it's going to increase in the fall and winter when people have to go, inside more. Is the uncertainty of COVID going to continue to affect the real estate market? Do you think it'll still continue to be going well, as it were, or perhaps not so well? What, what would you tell us?
2: It depends upon where folks live. Inventory is still low. And as, you, as all those pieces you just described come into play, it's going to, it's going to get, because people are going to be, it, it opened up again in May and June when the weather got better and we could open up the house and we could have people stand outside. And when I have open houses, I only let a certain number of people in the house, depending upon the size or in the, in the unit, depending upon the size of the unit so that you could stand outside and not be at risk. It's going to, we have to start thinking about how we would do the processing of having houses on the market. The inventory, however, is still going to stay low. So those that are willing to sell, this is the best time in recent history to sell a house. And so I think that dynamic alone, um, supply and demand, will take over and that where people are willing to sell, they will be able to sell competitively.
1: And would you then tell us that this is a good time for older adults to consider downsizing or moving to a different home or geographic location? I mean, we just heard you say that older adults might be reluctant to move to an apartment or assisted living. What is the status then for older adults right now um, in connection with the, the the real estate and selling or staying? It depends upon what's driving it. And in the
2: introduction, you did a great job in talking about the many dynamics of a senior making a decision to downsize. Um, Now is the best time to sell because of supply and demand. They will get top dollars. So if the financial situation and that they have some place that they can go is there, absolutely now is the best time to sell. If they have, the other thing that has occurred in the we've had the time in the last seven months for the assistive livings and the independent livings to make some adjustments in how they do things to put some safety measures in place to demonstrate their ability to keep people safe and so there is um, a softening if you will of people when they're concerned and a way to, I think, for those that are ready to move, make that move happen. And I've been hearing from a number of assisted livings about the number of ways that they have put precautions into place. Um, I think that for those that are ready to live somewhere near the kids or the kids have had a chance to find a way to bring mom or dad into the house with them, um, I think, that it's a good time to sell. The emotional piece of it is gonna lag a little bit. I've had people that have moved into assisted living that go, it all happens so fast, it's it's a little overwhelming. And so you have to have then the supports in place, if it's family, if it's um, attorneys or financial planners, um, if it's friends, if it's community, you have to have the supports in place to have the kind of secondary piece of that move be ready to be processed. But is it if they have the place to go and there's an economic driver involved, this is a a really good time to sell.
1: Kathy, I was also wondering, you were on uh, this show several years ago, and I think we talked a little bit about that then, but give us a comparison now about professional real estate services for older adults. Uh, Have you seen that it, it is more prevalent now, than 20 years ago, we're going to back up and then I want to hear what you have to say about a senior's real estate specialist, which is your okay. designation. But yeah. w- what have you seen in uh, in connection with the professional real estate services? And and is it more important even now during COVID?
2: Yes. Um, and I don't say that just because I'm SRES. I'm SRES because I believe that I'm senior real estate specialist. Um, first of all, people are staying in their houses longer. Um, we're at a much higher, um, time of occupancy statistically than before. And part of that is the baby boomers and those just ahead of us that really want to stay in their home, that that is such an important part of their life and their identity and their community and their socialization. And so because we're staying in our homes longer, um, we have a lot more stuff. We're also compared to um, generations before, we are much more consumer oriented. So, and we have, I know it's taken me a long time. Uh, We just had a haul away in our, a junk haul away in our neighborhood this weekend. And my grandmother's black chair that was in her kitchen, that I have hauled with me for 45 years and probably never sat in, finally went on the junk truck. And that's how, I'm a, I'm a hard, I'm a leader of the lead timeline of the boomers, but that is how we are, that we have our own stuff. And then we have all of our parents' stuff because we're the last people that like to have dark wood furniture. So it's to get a your head around just moving. My sister just uh, is putting their house on the market in two weeks and it has, she has called as she's gone through things and, and she has scanned and sent pictures as she's gone through things too. some of which I would never share is um, just sorting through. Cause she had two kids that she took pictures of everything and had scrapbooks and she has all that stuff in the basement. So it isn't just the pictures on the wall and the amount of furniture and maybe clothes that we have, but it's the stuff that we have that are the memories of the family that we have spent time doing over years to keep that stuff and keep it special. And now you have to go through it because you have to pay to move it. And it takes a long time. And so she's with, she put the house on the market in, it's actually in the next 10 days. She's been going through this for the last year and a half, bit by bit. And I get little packages when she does. So we have a lot more stuff. And then the third reason it's important to have a, a senior real estate person is that people are geographically more dispersed. Now I talked about the fact that a lot of us live in the house longer, but a lot of our family members aren't anywhere near us. And so we don't have the help. We don't have the natural community that's gonna come in. I'm distant from my sister, or I would have been in the basement with her. I'm not there. And so she needs to do it herself. And so having the services of someone who specializes in working with seniors, when the kids live someplace else and they've moved to, or even they haven't moved someplace else, but they're in the process of moving to assisted living and perhaps there's some memory issues with one. It's a family I worked with at the beginning part of the year and then a um, sibling who needed to go into an apart- apartment of her own and had some special needs issues attached to that. To understand and be able to help project manage all of that is overwhelming for the senior. The the um, son and his family were are son is a few years younger than I am. Um, They were focused on making sure mom and dad got where they were going and that the sister got. So all of us had to work together to make it happen.
1: I also suspect that uh, during COVID-19, and I can only speak for myself, one of the things that I've done is gotten rid of a lot of stuff because We're in such uncertain times right now. We're not sure what's going to happen to us, and we can't connect with our families. So if nothing else, it was a wonderful time for me and my husband to do a lot of downsizing. And and, and quite frankly, I I was chuckling when you were talking about... receiving packages from your sister, I kind of did the same thing with photos and other kinds of uh, family heirlooms and sent to others. So my home is downsized probably more than (laughs) some of the others. So it works well. Mm -hmm. Kathy, tell us exactly what is a senior's real estate specialist? What types of background or education, training? Are, Are they certified? What what is this, this special designation that you have?
2: Well, it's a designation through the National Association of Realtors. And we have several, level, there are many designations of specialties within the real estate industry. I chose to be an SRES because I had made the decision early on and in, in, this is my second career to focus on um, folks in the senior footprint because I really understood both from having um when my mother died, we cleaned out the house and then my father remarried. And so when he died, we cleaned out the house again and sold it. And then my husband and I have downsized from a large single family home in New England to a townhome down here. And so I've been through it. I understood from my own experience, which is only like 10 percent. And I also worked in human services. So that was my um goal when I came into real estate was to primarily, and I work with all kinds of buyers and sellers, but primarily to focus on seniors because I had something I could give them. So it's my commitment. But in terms of the designation, we have a week long training program where we look at a lot of the um, elements that we've been talking about so far and we we look at what are the different levels of senior living that are available. And how are those paid for? And what are different models of um, mortgages? And uh, how do you interact with financial planners? And not that I take on any of those roles myself, but I know how to engage the network. Um, And it provides us also, after having achieved the designation after the training and taking a test, Um, We we renew yearly, but we also receive on a monthly basis a newsletter that has um, the last two have had one had a um, feature in it on shared housing and how to make those decisions. So how to work with a client who's considering having someone either move in with them or they're considering selling their house and going into a shared living situation. I have a good friend that did that several years ago. She sold her um, beautiful condo in, on Capitol Hill and she's living with a friend in Silver Spring and they worked really hard to make that happen. And now there are services and I know of those services to help people figure out where they can go within the same geography and enjoy a a more downsized life. Um, This one recently was on different kinds of boomers. And are they the boomers that want to go play golf? Or are they boomers that want to spend time with the grandchildren? Or are they boomers that want to go travel? And so their housing needs would be a little bit different. And how to think through that and help people make those decisions. So we have those resources available to us all the time. And there's also a whole website where people can go find an SRES realtor, but also find some of those resources that I'm talking about for themselves as they begin to make um, do the research about what they want to do.
1: Okay, well, we're going to learn more about how to find an SRES and the difference between um, an SRES and a realtor without this training. But we're going to take a short break right now. We are talking with Kathy Coridan realtor and senior real estate specialist with KW Metro Center and you're listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Corridon, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or ccatkw at gmail.com welcome back we are talking with Kathy Corridon realtor and senior real estate specialist with KW Metro Center and we were talking about her designation of seniors real estate specialist and what that is and she explained that before the break but Kathy if family members may have never even heard about this and our listeners so what questions should older adults and their families ask when considering hiring an SRES and give us a little bit of detail as to what you who have this designation, how do you differ from a realtor without this training? Give us a little tutorial.
2: Sure. I think families need to ask what the level of services and engagement. Some um, families need to have somebody come in and project manage the entire piece and bring bring the family in along the process because they are really unfamiliar with it others need it um, for the realtor to be kind of the one that does the move the process forward but but does it in clear partnership with the family so they need to be comfortable with the level of and have conversations about the level of project management and leadership they need in this process if they really are focused on the health or uh of the family member or some other thing then you need someone who really has strong project management skills has partners that specialize in working with seniors not just a handyman but a handyman that knows kind of how to come in and work with the senior and make the senior comfortable while the handyman's in the house um if you have a senior move specialist and we're going to talk about that a little bit later that um we know what the services needed in that process are and that this is the right group to work with the family. So really taking time to understand the needs and have the resources to address it much more than just the transaction of selling the house.
1: And so if a family wants to find uh, an SRES, is there a designated website to, to do that? Right. They can Google senior real estate specialist and um, the
2: SRES national page comes up and it says, find a senior real estate. And you you can put Arlington, Virginia in. And then those of us that are in this geography would come up. And so they'd have a place to start.
1: That said, must all realtors be an SRES to work with older adults?
2: No, not at all. Um, I have a, a number of colleagues that work really well with um, with seniors that don't have this designation. It's the quality of the service and the ability to focus and really customize the process to the needs of the client. And understand, it is important that they understand, especially if there are some health issues, some logistical issues, uh, mobility issues, if the family's far away and who the support network is for the senior, that they're able to come in and be part of that team and to know what resources are available um, in the community to provide additional uh, services if necessary. Not making, not doing those things. I'm not a case manager. I'm not a senior um, care coordinator but I know where to find them. And if I have a question about something, I have this whole group of people to fall back on that are experts in the field and that I can bring into the um, process to make it less stressful and more successful.
1: I think one of the the questions that many people really don't understand is how are realtors paid? Uh, we, don't, we hear about commissions. And then of course, uh, as a part of that question, uh, I'm curious to know, and I'm sure our listeners would be too, as to whether an SRES designation requires a special fee. But help us understand what that process is, because uh, t- I think that's really important, because we don't sell our house very often, and we don't know a lot about that area, and uh, a little tutorial would be helpful.
2: Okay. Um uh, we we only get paid through commission. The, uh, I sometimes describe all of the the additional services that I'm able to offer if needed. People say, "Well, how does that get paid for?" I am a full service realtor, and I uh, have a. I ask, especially with the seniors, and it's in the listing agreement um, that it's the it's the full service uh, commission. Um, and but I think that I my job is to serve my client and I have a very high level of service delivery, uh, concierge, white glove, whatever you want to call it. And I, I really believe that people are entrusting me with selling one of, first of all, the, the probably highest value asset they have in their life. And the secondly, to be on on the journey with them to make this transition and I think that they deserve to have my extra attention. And so, no, there's not an extra charge for what I do. It's just that this is the kind of, this is the model of my real estate business. And not everybody has this model. And people that work with first-time buyers or that work with families moving up, they do they get paid commission exactly the same way, but their priorities are different. And so it's a matter of having this be the priority and making sure that... Um, those needs are being met, and that I'm
1: earning earning my commission. And I was wondering, Kathy, before when I was finding out asking you about the SRES, do you are you certified? Do you have continuing education uh, in this area? I mean, as with everything, things are changing. So I just wanted to find out about that, and then, as in in this realm, as it were. If you've considered, or or other people in the SRES uh, designated uh, specialist world, do they get additional training or services? I, I think people really want to know because this seems to be such an important uh, choice for realtors to make, and I would imagine that older adults would want to know as much as possible about this. Yes. Uh,
2: Realtors um, have continuing education requirements every two years. So we have, and most of those requirements have to do with the contractual and legal aspects of the contracts. And you know what? You really want us to know that cold and hard. And that's where most of our uh, training comes into play because we are acting as fiduciary for our clients. And so we have legal and financial. Uh, responsibilities to the clients. And so that's where most of our training comes. But there are also ways that we can take, um, within that training matrix, we have related courses that we can take and people choose what they can, you know, what kinds of additional pieces they can take. So it might be on reverse mortgages or it might be on, um, developing strong partnerships with um, financial planners. I mean, it might be on a number of different topics. Um, I think that the most important piece is that we continue to have, for me, engagement with the senior service providers. I'm a member of a couple of networks of providers where we have a, a networking situation, but we also have an education component to it so that I know what kind of new robotics are available for in-home care. I know the difference between um, providing in-home care and providing uh, in-home medical-related care. I can speak the language and get the resources that they need. And so it isn't a required piece that I do, the extra for the seniors, but it's where I commit my time to being part of um, those conversations.
1: And I would imagine that that helps you not only have a better dialogue with the older adults who are in transition, but going one step further, the adult children, uh, especially if they're involved in their parents' moving process, or perhaps the older adult can't do all the negotiation themselves. Is, is there a lot of that in, uh, as part of what you do when you're working with older adults?
2: I just, one of the things I'm also, I'm always very clear on is that the client is my client and their needs come first. And so if I'm working with members of the family or or friends in the community or church members or their accountant, that um, it always goes back to, nothing is done without a conversation and a decision being made by the client. And that's especially important with the kids. Because sometimes I think, and I know this from when my especially when my father was ill. Um I I always knew I'm the oldest, so I always knew what the right decision was. <laughs> and but my father was the the focal point. And I think as adult kids we are distanced from and wanting to ensure safety of of those we care about. And if the um, so I'm always really specific and intentional with adult children about the boundaries that we're working together as um, team Bill, if you will, for the family I talked about before. Uh, it was actually Team Bill and Ellen. So you know what they needed to do was what drove what we did, and then we worked as as their family first, and then I supported the entire unit to make sure that everything went forward.
1: Do you also find, Kathy, that again, as this process moves forward, that you might also be interacting with other professionals, say a care partner or an attorney or perhaps even a healthcare provider or financial planner? I'm thinking of different examples is, is that part of your role then, whether you, in, in this case, because you have an SRES, but uh, realtors in general, is do, do these kind of issues also come up in, in the sale of an older adult's home?
2: Yes. Uh, sometimes I've, I've just had a situation with a property where I've reached out to the um, attorney because we've needed um, some additional documentation to designate a uh, simplifying it designate a power of attorney and so the conversations have been you know what do we need to do to best support I've had other situations reaching out to a financial planner because of covid my client couldn't go to the settlement table to sign for herself she she was quarantined and so uh, together we made the decision that her financial planner would serve in that role and that's the only you know that was my the extent of my relationship with him but brought him in made sure that that happened got all the pieces uh put into play and so that he could do the signing for her at the closing um i often get referrals for uh seniors from attorneys financial planners healthcare care providers um the the senior care uh providers themselves that are in the house and are beginning to say I'm not sure that it's still safe for her, him or her to be here. So then they come to me with conversations about, you know, can you come in and have a conversation with this particular senior?
1: There's so many other aspects of of selling a home, and I just wanted to cover a few of those. The, the first one that I think about is the listing price. Uh, explain to us how is that determined, and how can the client be assured that, that's the amount that uh, you should be asking, or, or they should be asking for. How do you guide them as, as, as to that listing price?
2: We do what's called either a comparative or a competitive market analysis in every um, listing presentation that we do, and then dive even deeper into it in the conversation, final conversation with once they're signed as a client to put their house on the market. And the primary tool that we use is the comparable. Um, properties in first their neighborhood, then kind of in the zip code. Um, You can go about a mile out from their house that have, you know, that are, is it a split level? Is it a split foyer? Is it a two story colonial? Is it um, a bungalow? What kind of structure is the house? And then um, does it have the same number of bedrooms and bathrooms? Um, Has the, kitchen and the bathrooms which are the primary ones that sell real estate have they been updated and upgraded and at what level um what kind of condition is the house in? when was the roof put on and so if we can go and drill down knowing those details about the property we're talking about we can look at what has been on the market and sold in the last probably six months is about as far out as we can go now because of covid i mean it changed the market so much and so what have those houses sold for How many days have they been on the market? Did it sell at or above asking price? Um, Did the price have to be reduced? And we get a picture for the client of what's going on in their their two things. One is very, very local market. And the second is the market of the moment. We're only gonna go back six months at this point because anything that happened before February was pretty much in a different millennium. And we bring them those, those figures. We have, I bring with me my computer so that I can show them the insides of the houses that were on the market. What did the kitchens look like? What did their, you know, what was the paint? Um, I had the, with their hardwoods, they can show within the listing what, what the dates of the systems were. So the HVAC and the roof and, and the important pieces. And so that they can look at what their house is worth versus what other houses have sold for, because, we think our house is worth a lot more because it's our house, and family members think the house is worth. I did the same thing when we sold my father's house, but it's worth more. No, it wasn't. It was worth what the market of the moment will pay for it, and so it's a real important conversation and a lot of eyeball to eyeball about what you know what goes into it and what the specifics are, and then we tend to price at this point in this market um, a couple of percentages down from from what the last one was so that we attract the most number of buyers. That's what you've really got is that whole thing of supply and demand. I want, I want the demand, I want people there so that they can competitively make offers and get the best price for my clients.
1: Are you also changing the way you market now because of, uh, of COVID? Yes, um, I have initiated
2: doing videos on all of my listings at this point because people want to see the inside in more detail without actually coming out to the property, and this allows agents to say, "Look at this, you know," and and look at how the rooms flow together. Look at um, you can see if you look at the pictures in the listing and then the video, you get a you get more depth and perception to it. Um, if a property is being sold, um, competitive, if it's a really highly competitive one, I will do, I'll put it on coming soon, which is a status on MLS where it can be shown, pictures can be shown on the internet, but nobody can come in because that gets us more people that are really interested coming and spending what I consider to be really um, higher capital of personal, engagement with people and being in somebody else's house. We're only looking at the houses that are really houses that you'll be interested in and really let's narrow that funnel down so that when you're going to go expose yourself and, and expose other people, that it's only, and as much as possible, I have now suggested to people that they move out or that they, if they are still living in the house, this is a great weekend to take a trip with the family and you know go to an airbnb so that you don't have you coming into the house and the and the uh interested parties coming into the house in that period of time that i have the house from thursday morning until sunday afternoon.
1: Kathy talk about what happens after an offer is made. What kind of services do you provide then? You mentioned a little bit earlier in your uh in your uh status as an SRES, you talk about mortgage, uh, program or mortgage products and lenders, but walk us through now once an offer is made, what are, what are the next steps? How, how do you help your client?
2: Well, we're going to talk as if I'm on the selling side If I'm the listing agent. Okay. And so I'm the one that's trying to sell the house. And so I'm going to want an offer that has as few contingencies and as strong a price as possible. And as much of a, um, pardon the technical term, slam dunk, when it comes to the buyer's financing as possible. So that there are as few opportunities for the deal to fall apart to get to the closing table. Closing table is usually about between 30 and 45 days after a contract has been um, ratified on the house. So I want the, the offers that are made to be clear, to be what we call clean and competitive. And so, then with the client, the client makes the decision about which one to choose. And then I work with the agent on the other side. For some um, financing, we have to have a termite inspection. So, we have to set that up and make sure that that's there. Sometimes, even if a, a buyer is willing to waive the home inspection contingency in terms of only using a home inspection to walk away, but not ask for any repairs to be made. There's two, you can ask for a home inspection with the option to ask for uh, repairs or a home inspection to void the contract. So I'm coming in and looking at real critical issues in the, in the infrastructure of the house that would make me wanna leave. Um, really understanding how to talk to the client about the distinction between those pieces. And then how to negotiate your way through it. If you've got a full house home inspection and the buyers come to you with a list of things that need to be repaired before they'll close, how do you negotiate so that you protect yourself? And my job between well, between signing a listing agreement, but you're asked between going under contract and closing is at, acting as my client's advocate. And so again, we've talked about people haven't sold or bought a house in a long time. It's a really different world. How can I? Mentor them and resource them to make sure that they understand all of these legal pieces that are going forward. Um, With COVID, we have in many places, we don't have the sellers going to the settlement table. It used to be the settlement table was the big party at the end where the buyer and the seller and the agent and the lender and the title company. You don't have those kinds of gatherings anymore. I often have my Seller sign the documents ahead of time and so i have to coordinate with the title company to make sure that um, either a mobile notary comes out and works with them or i take them one-on-one into the title office and sit in a big conference room with just the notary and myself and the client there to get the documents signed that need to be signed because it's it doesn't close until the title is is transferred and recorded in the county.
1: Well, we're getting close to the end, but I've got a couple more quick questions to ask you. Uh, what we've heard about is in the vernacular now is senior move managers. And explain to us the difference between your designation, the SRES, and a senior move manager. How does that differ? And, and in that regard, does a realtor help adult clients transition to a new city? Who, who does that?
2: Well, senior move managers are great resources for us, whether it's a local move or a a long distance move. And there's two parts to that question. I'll be really quick because I know we have time. A senior move manager is the one that helps them realize on the other side, the place that you're living to has X number of square feet and will take this much of your furniture, which furniture is the furniture you wanna go, and help them set up a floor plan to make that happen. Whether it's moving from Arlington to Ashburn or from Arlington to Arizona. And the other piece is that they can help if it's moving to Arizona and moving into an assisted living there perhaps or to a smaller apartment, they can help have someone on the other side come and help set up the um, apartment or housing unit in, so that the senior walks in and everything has been moved in and they can resume their living and have it be a much more welcoming situation. The other piece is both with the senior move managers and with agents, real estate agents, we can refer to someone in the other location and be in conversation with that person all the way through so that there's a lot of coordination and as as little stress as possible in what's already a really stressful situation.
1: So the realtor can help put the client in touch with a senior move manager. Is that usually the best way? Absolutely. I work
2: with several here in town. And know of others across the country.
1: The other question, Kathy, I wanted to just ask you is, what can an older adult client do if they're not satisfied with the work provided by their realtor? Is there some code of ethics there, or what would you suggest? Yeah. Well, there's two pieces. One is if they're
2: not, if it's a personality issue and they don't feel like they're getting um, the core pieces of the transaction of the real estate taken care of. Um, there's two different things they can do. They can terminate the contract early if it's a listing contract to sell a house and anyone can do that. There's usually a, a, a early termination fee but they can terminate and go with another realtor that they think that they can communicate with and, and do better with. If it's an ethical violation where they really feel like, as I mentioned before, I'm a fiduciary for my clients and if I'm not acting within the real estate, National Association of Realtors' has a very strong code of ethics that we all sign on to. And it's about, I'm only representing them. So if they're feeling like I'm not representing them and their interest in it, they can um, file a complaint with my broker and they can file a complaint with the local real estate board. And then it's a highly regulated industry. And so then an ethical, violation would be put on, there would be a hearing most likely, but I could get um, an ethical violation and I could lose my license. So they do have a lot of safeguards and we don't like to take it from that point of view, but for um, seniors to know that there is a lot of ethical structure around what what we're doing and how we're providing service to them, I think is a real important piece. So thanks for bringing that up.
1: So finally then, help us on this and and also tell us how to get in touch with you. What are the best ways for older adults to learn about an SRES or a a realtor who works with older adults, or how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can look it up on the senior real estate services. Um, Just Google
2: that. It'll come up and there's a, you put the city in or put somebody's name in and a directory pops up. Secondly, I would say talk to their attorney, their financial planner, the people that are the, the home health care people or the home, um, aides that are coming in the, the company behind that and to find out who they trust and who they know in their network so that they are getting a personal kind of referral. Um, and, uh, in terms of getting in touch with me, I'm at KW Metro center in old town, Alexandria. And I know everybody says this when I say it, but my um, cell phone number, which is the best way to find me, is still from Central Connecticut. It's an 860 number, and it makes people ask questions when I call, but it's 860-759-9274. And my email is ccatkw at gmail.com. And if you need to remember that, it's Kathy Corden at Keller Williams, ccatkw at gmail.com. But thank you for asking for that.
1: Well, you're quite welcome. And I really, really want to thank Kathy Corden, realtor and also seniors, real estate specialist for joining me today. And as she said, she is with KW Metro Center. And if you want to listen to past radio programs and watch Aging Matters TV episodes, best way to do that is to log on to facebook.com forward slash Aging Matters W-E-R-A, There you can find the internet addresses to access both the radio shows and the TV episodes. And definitely check out the TV episodes. We have a new one on there as part of our Stories of Life series. So I'm sure you will enjoy it. And you should also know that Aging Matters Radio is now available as a podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And when you do listen to a podcast. Please invite your friends and family to listen to these programs and ask them to rate and review them uh, at these sites. It would be much appreciated. I want to thank Robert Winship for handling the technical aspects of today's program. And of course, as always, thank you for listening to Aging Matters. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week.
0: Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org.